you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. spirit of the Lord that would allow us to receive, to come upon us. God, we call on you right now, your vessel. God, we ask that you would enable us to receive your word into our hearts. We ask in the name of the Lord that you would speak to us. God, we don't want to hear this message as it applies to another individual. We want to hear this message as it speaks into our heart tonight. Speak to me, God. Convict me, Lord. Show me, God, the next steps in my life. Lord, I love you. I honor you. I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take you to one scripture, and this is not the scripture I gave them tonight, although I will go to that scripture later. 2 Corinthians 6, 9-11. through 11, Paul is describing servants and laborers and leaders and Brethren, and he says this, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 9, as unknown and yet well-known. Would you say that with me tonight? Let that settle on to you. As as unknown and yet well-known. As dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. I want to read that as my text tonight, and I'll share my highlight of that. You may be seated. Paul here is speaking of an enlarged heart, a heart that felt so much love toward those of the church um, that he was writing to. And tonight I can't help but when I'm home and where I'm where I grew up, I, I can't help but feel like my heart is enlarged. As I look around the room, and we've had we've been fortunate to visit a lot more frequently lately as as we've been living quite closer. And each time that I visit, I can't help but look around the room and my, my heart's enlarged. I, I look around the room at people that I've watched over the years in faithfulness. I look around the room at people that I've uh, watched the way that when you had every reason to give up, you didn't. And I can't tell you the testimony that that is to a young man. When I look at many of you that have come here faithfully, it's a cold Sunday night. Let's be honest, no one feels good tonight. 
Everyone's got a slight headache. Everyone has a slight, slight cold chills. Now, there are some that are sick. But we're gathered here tonight, and I've watched many of you in your faithfulness diligently serve the Lord, be faithful to the house of God, walk in unity with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And, and I have to tell you that that's a beautiful thing. Um, on, on a national scale, many of us could say that uh, there's a reality that, you know, by the greater world, this might feel like a small town and we might feel unknown, not seen. Many of those sacrifices that I described tonight are, are sacrifices that many haven't seen. Um, your faithfulness at times occurs in settings and in places that it's not visible to others. And, and even I tonight, growing up around many of you, uh, growing up as many of you were patient for me, um, even I tonight can say that while I, I so admire the beautiful faithfulness that you have unto the Lord, that, that even then there are so many degrees of faithfulness that I've never been an observer of and that maybe the person next to you has never seen. There, there are people that just in these last few weeks or few months, you've gone through things in your life that, that caused you to have to make decisions about serving God. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to serve him? This one kind of seems like it might be this. This might might be the last, the last, uh, you know, the last thing that's going to send me over the edge. And and yet you're here tonight. And I didn't see that, and no one else saw that. But I want you to know tonight that while unknown, you're well known. The Lord saw that. Uh, there, there's nothing that you can do, that you can think, that you have done, that you have thought, that has not been observed by. The Lord, you are well known by God. In fact, things that I couldn't know, for example, willingness to overlook hurts and offenses and heartbreak, things that I could never know. I want you to know that God sees that. When someone says a, a remark toward you that no one else heard, yet you chose to walk in unity, the Lord sees that. When someone hurt you and there was no one there to advocate for you, yet you did unto them as unto the Lord, the Lord sees that. Unknown in its moment, unknown by others, unseen, unheard, but well known by the Lord. And, and I'm, I'm preaching tonight, and this will um, maybe be more clearly defined as I preach. I'm, I'm preaching about, about addressing the schism. It's, it's another word for a, a separation or a, or a break in a thing. Um, tonight, I think they're going to put a picture on the screen for me. And um, in this photograph that they're going to share, uh, there's, there's a bit of a schism in the photograph. And on one side, the right side of the photograph, you would view such a thing and you would think that uh, this uh, mother lioness is committing harm to her baby. In fact, that's what I would think. If I were viewing that image by itself, I would think, man, somebody's got to intervene in that. 
That's a bad situation. Uh, but as you can see, as the perspective shifts, there's another side to the picture. And it's the fact that the, the lioness is actually taking care of her cub. She's actually looking out for him. Um, she's actually protecting him. And, and there are situations tonight that if I begin to judge a person or judge an individual, I, I might kind of see it like that image on the right. What in the world are they doing? If I were them, I know you've never said it. Listen, I know you've never said it, but I've said it. If I were them, well, I just, I'd do it this way. Well, I would have said this. Well, well, I'd never let that happen to me. And, and, and we can so easily do that. And if you view tonight's message as, as a victim, you're going to struggle to get much from it. And here's the thing. There's been times in your life that you have been the victim of bad situations. There have. But just like at times in your life you've been the victim of bad situations, you've also been the perpetrator. I, I've been the perpetrator. That's why tonight when I start and talking about offense, I admit to you, I grew up here a young man, a young man zealous and not so wise. Um, maybe at times zeal without knowledge. And I say that tonight uh, in humility. And I think many of us tonight could, could say the same of ourselves, that there have been times that, that we didn't handle something the right way, times that we assumed things about people that turned out not to be the thing that we assumed, times that we misjudged situations and we said things maybe before they should have been said, and then when it all panned out, maybe the way that we judged it to begin with was the incorrect way. Unfortunately, the only situations ever seen in color are ours, and Every, every other situation and every other person is black and white. Our situations are, are three-dimensional. They have many ways of viewing them, many factors, many realities. But then if I look at your situation, well, then I know exactly what it is you did wrong. And I know exactly what it is what, that, that, that they did wrong. And I know exactly how it's going to be fixed. Uh, we'd speak amiss and we'd be lying tonight if we if we believe that to be the case. I hope I can tell a short story tonight. I'm, I've got a lot of scripture to read, but this this is a story. It's a story about four friends who vowed to one another to keep silent for four days. They made a promise. It wasn't a bet. It wasn't a competition. No, there was no reward at the end of it. It was just simply a mutual vow that we're going to take four days, and in these four days, uh, we're going to take time to focus, to think, to, to meditate, to reflect. And so these four men decided that since they wouldn't be speaking, that they would hire someone to attend them to their various needs throughout the seven days, as they would be unable to advocate for themselves. And it was... Early the next day that their silence began, and although they did not speak the entire day, problems began to develop because the assistant was not aware to maybe some of their needs. And as the evening drew 
the, the assistant had not yet lit the oil lamps, and it was growing dark and dim in the room. The men were unable to function, unable to advocate for themselves. And finally, in, in frustration, one of the men uh, couldn't help himself. He, he, he shouted, and he said to the servant, wouldn't you attend unto the lamps? And listening to this, a second friend shouted, have you forgotten you weren't supposed to speak? And it was about that moment that the third friend piped in and he said, you idiots, why are you speaking? And then finally the fourth man exclaimed, am I the only one who knows how to keep silent? It's a simple story that we're so easily to see the reality of other people's situations. Um, yet sometimes we, we fail to look in the mirror. Um, this is something that Jesus was, of course, aware of, and he taught on this. Matthew, the seventh chapter, you know, we like to just take the one verse, judge not, that ye be not judged. But he said some other things, too. He said, for with that judgment ye judge, you shall be judged, and with that measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. I ask you tonight, could you imagine if some of us were measured according to the way that we measure others? I'm not, I'm not speaking to condemn you tonight, I'm speaking to myself. Because we're so easily to, to define the measurements of another person's situation. We're so easy to, to throw out accusations toward other people, the way they act, the things they say, the things they should have done, the things they shouldn't have done. Yet we can be in the very same situation, in the very same moment, yet we don't always see it. And, and continuing in this, in this teaching, Jesus spoke, why beholdest thou the mote, the small thing, the fragment that, that's in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine eye, thine own eye? Or, or how will thou say to the br thy brother, let me, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye. And then he calls them hypocrites. He says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that is in thine eye, and then you're going to see clearer to, to, to cast out the mote that's in thy brother's eye. The, the problem with the mote that is in my eye is I don't even know if there's a beam in my brother's eye. It's actually, it's actually possible that I'm just seeing the moat that is in mine eye. Um, Aiden, where are you at? I'm here for you. Seven. Aiden showed me a picture when I was here last night. I didn't think about this till just now, but it, but it was a picture of a rhinoceros that was painting other, other creatures. Uh, she painted. I, I'm probably getting this wrong. You can check and tell me if I am. But she, she might have painted a lion. And it was a beautiful painting. The lion had a, a beautiful horn. Um, she was painting an elephant, and what a beautiful horned elephant. The whole time, she was painting what she saw in front of her. She saw the lion, and she saw her horn. She, she saw the elephant, the beautiful horned elephant. And she was seeing her horn. And I'll tell you tonight, and I, I hope this is okay. I'm not trying to pastor you tonight. But, but I, I, I am coming to you softly because I know the word that the Lord gave to me. 
and I want to be careful in how I deliver this tonight because I'm not delivering this as one that's exempt from this. I'm delivering this as someone that can be just as guilty of doing the very same thing. That, that so often we portray onto other people what we're seeing without knowing that maybe the beam that we see is actually the moat. Maybe it's actually the moat that's in our eye. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, be ye all one-minded, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrise blessing, knowing that ye are there, thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. There, there is a blessing to be inherited when you don't return to someone what it is they deserve. Um, there, there is a blessing to be inherited when we, rather than speak cursing, when there's cursing, we speak blessing. And, and I want you to know tonight that this does not make exempt someone's treatment of you. I'm not putting a green stamp of approval. And I'm talking to people tonight. We can pretend like this hasn't been us. But I'm talking to people tonight that either you have been or you are at this moment offended. If you're not offended, you have been. I know that because I have been. And, 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 and this is the reality of our, our humanity. We're flesh. And, and we go through moments of offense. But I want you to know that when you treat somebody in response, um, don't do it as unto them. Do it as unto the Lord. Because I know in that moment they deserve your frustration. But God doesn't deserve your, 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 your frustration toward him. And they're made in the image of God. And so my treatment toward my brother is as unto the Lord. My words toward my brother are as unto the Lord. And, and so when, when you step into that situation and you give someone what they deserve, I, I'm going to tell you that you're missing out on a big chunk of the gospel. This isn't about giving people what they deserve or, or returning to people the very same thing that they did to you because then you're no better. When someone talks about me and in response I talk, talk about them, it doesn't fix the fact that they talked about me. All I've done to that situation, it's not equaled out. All I've done to that situation is made it worse. When someone speaks harsh words and I speak harsh words back, they don't equal out. I've just introduced more hurt into that situation. I, I'm not counseling you tonight, but I am speaking directly from the word of the Lord. And, and I'm telling you things like this. It was written in James, the fourth chapter. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. Because he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges, judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who, who are you? Who art thou that judgest another? Unfortunately, we don't have the authority to judge another person. And, and to speak evil of them or to, to make railing accusations toward their situation. Yet, yet so often, I've been guilty of this. And 
if you were honest tonight, you have too. Because we find it so easy to do. The tongue is an unruly member. It, it is. I, I, it's beautiful tonight. I, I'm, I feel like I'm looking out at an audience full of angels. But we've all been there. And, and, and we've all been guilty of it. And we've all done it. And, 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 and we do this thing that when we assume things about a person or assume things about a situation, you know, they, they call it confirmation bias. When it's the thing we really want to see, we'll see it. When, when we're determined in our mind that that person's a rude person, then every comment becomes a rude comment. I'm not saying there aren't rude people. But, I, but I'm saying that we make it up in our mind through single moments. You, we, we judge people's worst days by our best days. Isn't it amazing how we're the person that we are on our best days and they're the person that they are on their worst days? If I asked most of you to describe yourself tonight, you'd describe yourself on your very best day. Well, I, I eat healthy. No, you don't. Well, well, I, I like to take care of myself. Okay, sure. But what about the day that you didn't? We, we're, we define ourselves by our best intentions, by our best days, by our best foot forward. And yet, somebody else is having a bad day, and we don't give them the room to have a bad day. Because the moment that they speak out of line, that's who they are. The moment that they're rude to someone, well, then suddenly, that's who they are. And, and I'm, I'm saying this to you tonight. I'm not justifying someone's rudeness. I'm not justifying someone's misspoken word. I'm not justifying the heartbreak you felt when, when a friend hasn't acted like a friend or a family member hasn't acted like a family member. I'm not justifying that in your situation tonight. But I'm telling you tonight that I'd better look at someone through the eyes of Jesus than look at them through my own eyes. Because my lens is a broken because of things that I've witnessed, because of things that I've experienced, because of things I've been through. And I'm not telling you that's a bad thing tonight. But I'm telling you this. I'm not seeing it how Jesus sees it. And so I've got to be willing to take those presumptions about people and submit them to the word of God. And as it was said in Philippians, being like-minded, having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Ephesians 4 calls it unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I, I wish this was just metaphor tonight. Wow, that's a beautiful statement. Unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Until I'm in a situation that I don't feel like having unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I feel like reacting. I feel like acting out. I feel like... And here's the thing tonight. People will do things to you that's not okay, but be angry and sin not. Don't return unto evil, evil. Don't return unto a misspoke word, another misspoke word. If a, here's, here's what Jesus said. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, ugh. I don't, maybe we should skip this one. He, he's a liar. And and, and 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 it says, "For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how, how is he going to love God?"
he whom he hath hath not seen? How how is it that I'm going to love God who's intangible, who's who's, uh, transient, who's not seeable, and, and yet I look at my brother who before my eyes is made in the image of God, yet I feel hate, frustration, and anger, and Man, we're so ready to take things out on the person that's that's right there in front of us. But if for a moment we would step back and realize that is God's child. No, they don't do everything correctly, but that's God's child. Yes, they did some things to hurt me, but that's God's child. And if God has entrusted me as a brother to take care of his child, how would God take care of his child? It wouldn't be an idle word. It wouldn't be speaking out, lashing out in frustration and anger, just ready to attack. God has entrusted to me his child. I know they're not always children. I know sometimes we think, well, they ought to know better than that. You're right, they ought to. But I ought to. And there's moments that I'm going to receive of the same degree of grace that I've been willing to give someone else. And I hope, I I just hope so much in the name of Jesus, that when the moment comes that I need to be a recipient of that grace, that, that the measure of grace that I've been willing to extend towards someone else is enough grace to cover for some of the stupid things I do, some of the ridiculous things I say. In that moment, I just hope that I've given enough grace that I have enough grace to receive. Because each time I'm depositing grace, I'm depositing it in my treatment of people. I'm depositing it in my reaction to situations. And I hope when it comes time to draw out of what I've deposited, that there's enough to cover for me. First Thessalonians 5, 12, 13, Paul, Paul's speaking. He says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly, and and, and love for their work's sake, and and be at peace. Be be at peace among yourselves. This isn't the only time Paul spoke of this. You know, he spoke of his heart being enlarged. He spoke of having one mind, having compassion. He, He spoke of being at peace, and he said this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. And one member be honored and all members rejoice with it. I, th- those are amazing words. They're so difficult to apply sometimes. But we're not going to be able to apply that in our flesh. We're only going to be able to apply that through the empowerment of his spirit. Because let me tell you what our flesh does. Our flesh develops schisms in the body. We could pretend like we don't know what that looks like, but we do. Groups in the church get frustrated at other groups in the church and families torn apart with maybe in their family or maybe with another family. And and you have all these these divides, these schisms in the body. Yet here in 1 Corinthians 12, the analogy that Paul's given is talking about the functioning and the parts of the body. And he's kind of saying something like this. You can't get the heart separated from the head. 
and, and you can't get the head separated from the hands. And, and, and you can't get the mouth separated from the mind. I've done it. But he's saying it's all got to work together. And, and, and that's exactly what happens when we allow disunity to enter amongst us. We, we, we start speaking out of turn because the mouth is separated from the mind. We start acting and reacting in ways we shouldn't because the hands and the feet are not working in accordance as they're supposed to. I know this doesn't apply to any of us tonight, but it does apply to me. I've got to make sure that I'm walking in unity with my brother. I've got to make sure. I, I'm speaking about me tonight. I've got to make sure that, that I'm willing to forgive so that when it comes time that I need them or they need me, we can function and we can work because this thing's about so much more than me and my preferences and someone said something and that really made me upset. And that really, you know what, it's okay to be upset, but I'm not going to walk divided from my brother. And in, in, in fact, I'm going to do what was said in, in Colossians, forbearing one another. What's that mean? It's a, it's a unique word, forgiving one another. So does forgiving and forbearing mean the same thing? If, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's quite the challenge. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which, which is the bond of perfectness. How, how am I going to? How am I going to manage that? And what, what is this forbearing thing? And then, in, then it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are also called one body, and, and be thankful. You mean I've got to be thankful for my brother? You, you mean that I've got I've to forbear? What's that even mean? And, and it's, 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 it's this word that it literally means this. It, it means the four is, 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 is the same as before. It's something that occurs before a thing. And, and, and the bearer is literally, as you know it, it's to carry something. And, and when I'm being admonished that we're to forbear, forbearing one another, I'm, I'm admonished that I have to carry some things before. What, what's that mean tonight? It means that there are some burdens that I've got to be willing to put on my own shoulders before you ask for forgiveness. It, it means that, that I have to not adjust my treatment of you to, to after you did something, but, but even before you did the thing that you should have done, I'm going to forbear you. In fact, the, the modern connotation is in terms of debt, that when someone is unable to pay a debt, that, that there's, a, there's a period of time in which perhaps what is owed of them is, 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 is borne by the other entity. They're going to carry it for a little while. E even though the debt's owed, the bank is saying you can't pay it right now. So instead of default on you, I'm willing to carry this for a season until you're able to pay it. I'm not telling you tonight that someone doesn't need to right their wrongs. They do. And I'm not telling anyone tonight that has committed a wrong that this is a reason not ask to forgiveness. That's not ask for forgiveness. That's not true. 
But what I am admonishing us tonight as people of God is there are going to come times in the body of Christ that they haven't yet asked for forgiveness, but I'm going to carry that for a while. I'm not going to hold that against them. They're not prepared to pay that debt right now. They certainly do owe it, but I'm going to carry that for a while until they can. Yeah, they should have done it a different way, but until they see that and until they do, I'm still going to walk in unity. I'm still going to treat my brother with love. I'm going to forbear that even though they owe it to me. Forbearing one another. This isn't popular tonight. I, I bet it would be popular tonight if I came in here and just started preaching about revival. Nothing wrong with it. But we can't forget tonight that unity is a prerequisite of Pentecost. They were in one mind. They were in one accord. They were in one place. Did you know that the scripture, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, is not just about church attendance? In fact, if you read the scripture in its fullness, I encourage you, go home tonight and do it. You're going to realize that that scripture is about the fact that not only do we need to come together in attendance, but we've got to come together in a spirit of unity and love. And so we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And, and sometimes you're going to feel like you have a reason to. Are, are you hearing me tonight? I know you've never felt that way. I felt that way. That we feel justified in allowing there to be distance or division and between us and another child of God. But forsake not, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Don't let someone come in the something come in the midst of your assembly. Remove that, pluck it out in the name of Jesus, and forsake not the assembling. It's a coming together. Not just in coming together on Sunday night. It's a coming together because we're a body. And the arms got to attach. And the legs got to attach. And it's got to come together. And I've got to forsake not the assembling. Hallelujah. I, these aren't fun things to hear tonight. But these are things that we've got to know. That the gospel is calling me to treat my brother as Christ treated me. That while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we asked for forgiveness to die. He didn't wait till we got it right to die. He died for us, and then he gave us an opportunity to make things right with him. I've got to look at my brother, and I've got to say, you might not have done it right yet, but I'm going to crucify my flesh, and I'm going to let this old body die, and I'm going to die while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus said a new commandment, I give you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. He even said in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I know that sounds like metaphor tonight because it feels so unachievable, but it's only unachievable when I'm acting according to my flesh. His spirit enables me to love my enemy. His spirit enables me to lift up someone when they fall. His spirit enables me not to react in the way that my flesh wants to, but to react in the way that he would. A lamb led to the slaughter that opened not his mouth. Man, I wish I could do that. 
You know how many times we're lambs led to the slaughter and we're so quick to open up our mouth and talk about it? Let them lead me to the slaughter because it's at the slaughter that in those moments of deep, deep hurt, and I know it's deep, deep hurt, but it's in those moments that my flesh is crucified. Paul said, I die daily. Guess how? It's because he was crucified daily. Can I tell you what that wasn't? That wasn't Paul crucifying himself. That was Paul going through situations that on a daily basis crucified him. And so he died daily. I'd like, I'd like to just say, oh, I'm going to crucify my flesh without there being situations that cause my flesh to be crucified. But I'm going to tell you tonight, that's a lie. There are situations that will hurt. There are situations where, where someone will wrong you. There are situations that won't feel good. But in those moments, don't let your flesh and your mouth rise to the occasion and be ready to react. Crucify the flesh. Let the fle- that's what that situation exists for. It exists because that's the moment that my flesh was supposed to die. And again in Romans, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify, build up. Edification, it's, it's an edifice, it's building something. Edify one another. And yet in our nature we're so quick to tear down. If you don't believe me, turn on the news. I, I know that's the opposite of what we normally say. But if you don't believe me, turn on the news. You're going to find out real quickly that bad news travels quicker. And that it's easier to find a harsh word than a kind word. It's easier to find a word of judgment than to speak a word of faith. But you've got to resist. I've got to resist the nature of my flesh that wants to tear down, rip apart, shut down, and do away with. And I've got to edify and say, I'm going to speak words. In this moment, I could speak words that would tear that person down. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to build them up. Even if that's not what they're doing right now, I've been called to prophesy a word of edification. That, that means in the moments that I might not have a, a word that might, maybe it's not, you know, fully the reality right then. I know who God has made them to be. And they might be mistreating me or mistreating a situation right now. But I'm going to build up with my words. I, I dare you this week in those moments that you, you, you start to speak that, that word that tears down. Stop yourself. Or if you're talking with someone else, stop them. Be careful with that if you're not seeing it in yourself. Stop yourself and find the word that builds it up. I'm not talking about builds it up into some big and terrible and false situation. I'm talking about in the moment that you could say, you know, I'm so frustrated at them. They just do this and do that. Maybe in that moment, find the word that says, you know, things aren't necessarily going right right now, but I know that the hand of the Lord is on their life. I know that God is working on them just like he's working on me, and I'm going to build up. I'm going to put back together. I'm not going to rip apart people and rip apart situations and rip apart relationships because I've been called to edify. I, I really ask you to consider tonight if you just if we just think that that all of these words are just metaphor and some somehow vague words that we've been called to in some distant reality, but they're not. 
the words that we're called to apply every day by his spirit. I've got to allow my flesh to be crucified instead of resisting it. Offense will come. I want you to understand that. Offense will come. I'm not justifying offense. I'm not justifying the, the offender or, the, or, or even the receiver of the offense. I'm not justifying any of, any of it tonight. I don't know your situation. I'm not speaking to any specific situation tonight. But I'm speaking as a fellow believer that is, 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 is trying to encourage someone tonight. That in the moment of your offense and in the moment of your frustration, give it as worship unto the Lord. Stop lashing out toward the other person and the other entity and assume that you see the situation correctly. There are moats in my eye that God has to remove. So God, I'm calling on you right now, not that you would just fix them, but that you would fix me. Fix my heart to receive what they said correctly. Fix my ears to hear the words that are being said in the way that they were intended. Fix my sight that when I look at a situation, I don't see it like that. But I see it as you see it. I see it as what really is. I think what I love about this message tonight is the effect. It's the fact that that we could leave here and 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 man, that what a you know what a reflection of scripture. I'm gonna just remember that tonight. I, I'm gonna reflect on that. And it, as you do that, until until the offense comes, until the word comes, and and then we've built patterns that we react, that we speak a violent, vicious word that's ready to tear down. But I believe tonight, as, as, as soft-spoken as this message is, because I'm not coming down on someone hardly tonight, I'm admitting that as a fellow believer, I've struggled with these very same things, but I believe tonight the Lord's given me this word softly, because he's not coming to you tonight to tell you, here's everything you're doing wrong. He's coming to you tonight to tell you that in the midst of your situation, you can choose to do it right. They might have wronged you, you don't have to wrong them. They might have said an evil word, you don't have to return an evil word. Be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. If someone's been honored because of something that they've done for the Lord, don't let that be your opportunity to feel like, you know what, I should be honored. Because I've done some things for the Lord. You know what? You're right. You have done some things for the Lord. But in the moment that they're being honored, we're all being honored. And in the moment that someone's going through a difficult situation, don't be quick to judge them in their their difficult situation. Realize that when they suffer, we're all suffering. There are people here tonight that are suffering and we're so quick to judge them by their words and their actions and their reactions without realizing that they're hurting and what they need is not my 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 rebuke they need my love they need my my gentleness they need this is what the fruits of the spirit exist for long suffering exists for suffering long Gentleness exists for situations when I would otherwise not react or act so gentle. 
kindness for moments that, that I might not find it natural to be kind. Because here's what Jesus told them. He told them that when you come to present your gifts at the altar, he's speaking of the sacrificial system. When you come to present your gifts at the altar and, and there's something that comes between you and your brother, leave your gift at the altar. Leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother. Make it right with your brother. And so I'm telling you tonight that it, while it would be so easy for us in the coming weeks, in the coming months, just to come to church and pretend like it's all okay and lift our hands in worship and pray and give our sacrifices and gifts to the Lord, that the Lord wants to receive your gift. But before he can receive my gift, I've got to go and make things right with my brother. Now let me preach the good side of this tonight. I feel in the Holy Ghost that the Lord wants to do wonderful things in this church, wonderful things in this city, wonderful things in your life, in your family. But in order for me to experience that reviving that the Lord has for me, I've got to get in sync with the people that are next to me so that when it's coming down the line and they're receiving it, I can receive it. And when I'm receiving it, they can receive it because when they're blessed, I'm blessed, and when I'm blessed, we're all blessed, and when they're hurting, I'm hurting. We're together. I want you to stand with me across this room. I want you to know the Lord has great things for you. I want you to know that the Lord loves you, and he even sees the wrongdoings that have happened in your life and in your situation. I'm not telling anybody tonight to get over it. I'm not telling anybody tonight that you weren't wronged or you weren't hurt. I'm telling you to give a proper response to it. Give it unto the Lord. Give it to God in worship. Treat them as, un, as you would treat Christ. I wish tonight this wasn't relevant. I didn't come tonight to, to preach to a vague message that, that, you know, we were just going to shout it down and not apply it. We, could, we couldn't do that. I, I, I didn't come to do that tonight. In fact, I know tonight, and I only know this because I, I know me, and I know I'm, I'm a human, and I'm looking around the room, and I see a lot of other humans. I, I know tonight there are those of us that we feel this message testing us, and, 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 and it's natural to resist it. Uh, yeah, 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 you, yeah, you probably should forgive them, but, but do, you know, do you know what they did? I don't know what they did, but I know what the scripture says. And I'm not asking you to release them tonight for them. I'm asking you tonight to release them for you. Because when we're carrying around the baggage of what someone else did and someone else said, this is how we walk into the presence of another God. We're carrying it. We're carrying hurts from yesterday. We're, we're carrying things someone said. We're, we're adding up the tally of everything that they said to hurt us and the words circle our minds. I remember when they said this. I remember when they said this. I remember when they did that. I remember when they made me feel that way. And what you're doing is you're carrying around something that you were never made to carry. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm inviting somebody on this Sunday night to lift your hands. 
and to relinquish that to the Lord. God, I'm releasing it. With open hands, I'm releasing it. God, I can't hold on to this and drag this around everywhere I go. Lord, I can't carry it. I wasn't made to carry it. So I'm laying it down on the cross. I'm releasing it, God. And as we consider others, and maybe they're carrying around burdens that are too heavy to carry, I wonder if we just make it up in our minds that we're going to help lift that load. I know they were hurt. I know they were broken. I know they went through some things. But I'm not going to judge them. I want to help carry them. I invite you tonight to come to the front of this room. I'm not going to make this awkward. I'm not asking you to go to people right now that maybe you felt something against or have hurt you. But I'm asking you to take it to the altar and take it to the Lord and give it to him. Give him the hurt. Give him the misspoke words. Give him the pain that you feel. And then when God gives you the opportunity, make it right. Make it right with them. I know it's their job to make it right, but we've got to take it as our responsibility. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to walk in unity. Every hand lifted, talking to the Lord right now. Open up your mouth. God, I need you in this moment. I can't carry it, Lord. It's more than I'm able to bear, but I need you to help me forgive. I need you to help me see the situation right. I need you to help me in this moment to walk in the unity that I've been called unto. Come on, let's not just stand around and sing tonight. Let's talk to God. He's calling to you. You hear him tonight. You feel his presence. You hear him speaking to you. Release that to him tonight. God, make me over. Make me over Lord, make me over. Russians looked down the scope at the other and they were in the battlefield on the eastern front and and something happened in the middle of that war that in these cold winters that they were they were fighting in and enduring wolves started to appear and the problem is they were so focused on fighting the other as their enemy that those wolves would just sweep in they were killing the wounded they were spoiling goods. They were taking food. They were, they were hurting people. And so you can look this up. It was in the middle of that war on the Eastern Front that these two opposing sides made an agreement. 
They made the agreement that while we are at war, while we might not agree, we're going to turn our attention together on the wolves because we're losing more to the wolves than we are to one another. And I'm telling you tonight, as he said in the message that he preached on that day, that we've got to turn our attention from one another and turn our attention on the devil, that in the midst of our interpersonal battles, in the midst of our frustration, the wolf slips in and he begins to pluck away at those that are weak. He plucks away at those that are hurting. So here's what I'm asking us to do tonight. I'm asking you to join with four or five people. I, I'm saying tonight these are people that, that you've had an issue with or that you've had a frustration with. I'm just asking you to join with four or five people around you. And we're going to unify tonight that as a church, and I'm not speaking as a member here, I'm speaking as someone that loves you. My heart's moved tonight. As a church, we're going to unify and we're going to say, God, we're losing too many people because we're so focused on things going around in between us that, that we're losing track of the devil that sweeps in and he, he rips people's faith away and he, he rips at people's hurts and he hurts people and destroys lives. We've got to unify tonight and say we're going to wage war on the enemy. He's not going to distract me with my brother. My brother's not the enemy. He's the enemy. The devil's the enemy. Get thee behind me, Satan. Lift up your hands right now. Stay unified with the person next to you and begin to call on the Lord. Lord, strengthen my brother. Lord, lift up the weak and the hurting. Lift up the persecuted and the afflicted. God, we need you tonight.
confusion of Bible studies and messages that we find ourselves drawn into. This spirit right here, and numerous times we've closed services with this exact same song, Lord, make me over again. I want to tell you what I feel God is doing. I feel like God is cutting away some areas of our hearts and our lives that he knows that we need to get out so that he can make room for some things that he wants to grow into us. Uh, we heard the word of the Lord tonight, and I receive it in Jesus' name. If you receive that word tonight, why don't you thank God for it? <laughs>